Sam. Hey, Julia. Who are we talking to today? We are talking to my friend, actor, John Andrew Morrison. That sounds awesome. Do you think that he has gone to the iTunes store and rated and reviewed this podcast? I really hope he has, and I really hope you all have too. But even if you haven't, we hope you enjoy the episode. Crazy kids. Look at them doing things. You know, that was always fun. Just the creation of something new. What was your like path of how did you come to new work as a thing that you do? Um, oy oy. Um, so I think it that really started at UCSD um, because there was a there's a playwriting program there, and so um, most of the actors were always doing readings or workshops of, um, of the playwrights in the program. And then the Lohei Playhouse is attached to um, our, our school, and so we were always doing so readings cool. and um, workshops of things at the Playhouse as well. Um, so that's where that came from. Um, just That's where that started, um, working on, on new work. And then when I moved to the city, I ended up working with this company called Manhattan Theater Source that it was like this rebel gang <laughs> of um, theater artists, and they built a theater in, in Greenwich Village. And um, it was like a collective of many, many different theater companies, and there was always new work, and so I was doing stuff there as well. Yeah. How I, I mean, so... I, I've known you for a while, but like I, so I don't really know, like you said, like it's sort of at US, UCSD, but like how did, I mean, because you were born in Jamaica, yeah, 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 and yeah. how long did you live there? I mean, I, for for all of my life, I mean, I left to to go to college, and I went to Brandeis, uh-huh. um, and that's where I really started doing theater. Yeah, ah. um, yeah. So so what brought you to Brandeis? Um, you know, I took a tour with my sister and, you know, I was doing the whole college tour thing and I looked at Brandeis and I looked at like BU and, um, I kind of just fell in love with it. Uh Um, I, I do remember, so I, if you, I don't know if you know anything about Brandeis, but their, their, um, theater is in the shape of a giant top hat. Oh. So if you... The, the music building looks like a, a grand piano, and, um, and the theater building looks like a giant <laughs> That's kind of cool. And, um, and my sister and I kind of like wandered off the tour, and we walked into the theater, and they had this set built. So it was really a set that made me go, I want to go here. Um, wow. Because I like walked into the, to their main stage, and uh, no one was there. It was, we just poked our head in and the set was on the stage and I was like, that is amazing. I don't know what the show was. Um, but it was like, I wanna I wanna be on a set like that if, if that's what's happening at this place. So. Wait, and you hadn't been doing theater before that? So um I did a little bit of theater in Jamaica. Uh-huh. Not a lot. Um my wasn't something really that my dad wanted me to do okay um and so i remember when i was in the 
in fifth form. So I'm not really sure. So do you know about the form system? Not really. All right. So, um, so you go from sixth grade, um, and then what would be your middle school becomes first form. Okay. And you go first form all the way through sixth form. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and that's high school. Okay. And about in fifth form, um, this guy uh, named Martin Stevenson, who is still friends with, I, I'm still friends with to this day, he came to our school, and um, he and his family w- were involved with this company called Jamaica Musical Theater Company. And um, he said, oh, we need kids to run backstage, run, help run the backstage thing. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. And so... Um, so, yeah, Martin, he took me to JMTC for the first time, and I worked the crew for their production of Grease. Uh-huh. And um, it had all of this fantastic energy, and there were all of these, like... So all of the cool kids in my school um, were actually in it. Oh. <laughs> so I remember Javier Ramirez, and um, there was this, like... I went to this international school, and there was this... Um, kid Dino, oh, I can't remember his last name, but he was in it. So all of these like kids that I was like, oh, they're really cool. They were all a part of Greece that year, <laughs> and um, and I worked the backstage crew, and I was like, oh my god, yes, next year I want to do it. But I'd always been a theater fan. Gotcha. Right? Um, so growing up, I used to spend summers in New York. My aunt lived in um, Elmhurst, Queens. Gotcha. And so I would come up and spend summers with her and my cousins. And my cousins were about like 10 years older than me, and my okay. sister is 10 years older than me. And so um, what she would do at the time, like you could get two furs for Broadway shows, and like the Broadway tickets were not a lot of money. So as a young kid, like I saw, ooh, I'm going to age myself, (laughs) but here it comes. Um, I saw the original company of Annie. Um, I saw, um, I was an itty, itty bitty, but they took me to see The Wiz, the original company of The Wiz. Um, I um, saw the first company of Dream Girls. Oh, my God. Um, So like I saw a lot of things growing up and and dream girls was was really the the one that made me go wow wow yeah i mean there were black folks on stage and like they were killing the thing and and it was a thrilling thrilling show and so like theater had always been this like thing in the back of my mind but you know Jamaican dad with a gay son wasn't really gonna like <laughs> cut it so much. So like it wasn't something that was encouraged really. Sure. Um, but the next year JMTC um, was doing The Wizard of Oz and um, they were holding auditions and um, I remember saying, hey, I want to audition for this thing and my dad was like, no, no, no. You cannot do it. <laughs> and um I don't remember why my mom was away. My mom had, my sister had probably gone up to college and she had come up to New York to visit my sister. (laughs) And I remember the audition was like the next day and I couldn't sleep. I wanted to go to this audition really badly, really badly. I don't know why or how I had the balls, but I literally went into my, my, 
parents' bedroom at like two o'clock in the morning and I woke him up and I was like, please, I really, I really want to do this. I really want it. And I think he was just like, fine. <laughs> he just, <laughs> just, like, just let me go, go back to sleep. sleep. But, you know, the, the auditions were being held at my school. So I went the next day and, and I got cast as, as the as the wizard and um yeah and that kind of started there and then i did that show and then the next year they did cats and i got cast in cats but then i left for college (laughs) 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 which cat were you i was um bustopher jones of course i'm a man of size i've always been Wait, so so then when you were headed to Brandeis, were you like expecting to study theater or So really my my whole plan was um I was going to study law. Uh-huh. Um but I mean the theater bug had like it yeah. had, it had bitten, you know what yeah. I mean? And so when I saw that set and whatever and like, oh, I, it, to me it was at least there's going to be theater here. Right. There's sure. going to this thing that I love is going to be here and it's it's going to be on on this grand scale. And so um, I got to Brandeis and it was like, you know, freshman week or whatever. And they had like a an announcement for auditions for the theater department. And it was working. And I went in and I sang and. Uh, you know, I love this man. John Bush Jones was the was the head of the undergraduate theater there, and he kind of like he was directing, but he he cast me in the thing. And I remember when I walked out, um, his then wife was outside, and she went, "Have you ever have you ever had vocal lessons?" And I'm like, "No, I've never I've never had vocal lessons." She's like, "I would like I would like to teach you how to sing." And I was like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, my, you know, first semester, I ended up getting cast in in the show and started taking voice lessons with this woman, Claudia. And that was kind of that. Like, I went from that, and then they did Into the Woods, and I... Played Jack, and then they did Guys and Dolls, and I was Rusty Charlie, and that was my freshman year at Brandeis. Wow. <laughs> was I mean, I guess like I don't, I guess I don't know a whole lot about Jamaica and Jamaican culture, but like, was it a culture class? I mean, you had spent summers in New York, so I spent summers in New York, but I'd not spent winters in New York. Mm. Um, so um, I remember, oh God, the first winter was absolutely horrific yeah I ended up getting (laughs) I ended up passing out one day because um I kept getting sick like Uh I kept getting colds and stuff and if you know anything about Brandis it's on a hill so like the whole you're always going up or down a hill Mm. and um and I was like I had fluid in my ear from some cold or something and someone called my name, and I turned too quickly and passed out. Oh, my God. Um, and so that was my first winter in, in Boston, in, you know, the Boston area. Like, my, my, um, 
my body did not handle winter well at all. Yeah. And and I remember I had these two roommates who were like, oh, you're, you'll just get used to it. You'll just get used to it. And um, one day I came home and they came home and they were like taking off their their clothes and they took off their pants and they had these like things on which I now know are thermals <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like what is that and they're like oh they're thermal for when it's r- really cold I'm like you mean there was something yeah, <laughs> yeah that happened to me because I grew up in San Francisco where it doesn't get cold yeah um and it took me I and I went to college in Ohio where it gets really cold yeah. and I didn't get used to it in those four years I've gotten used to it since yeah. in New York but that's because along the way I finally figured out you could wear wool socks. Because <laughs> in San Francisco, you just wear, like, you know, yeah. socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think to know that you could wear, like, warmer yeah. socks. Yeah, no, it w- did not occur to me. Because no one talks about it. Because no. it's such a given to people who grew up in climates yes, where it gets absolutely. cold. <laughs> absolutely. So that was one of those moments when I was like, you rat bastard yeah. you've been holding out <laughs> like I could have been in more comfortable all of this time um, but yeah um, I, I guess I'm like I'm curious like culturally like was that a, was that a, a thing or was it not what was a thing? I don't know. Like, like um, coming from Jamaica I mean I don't know if the culture feels really different there than it does here but you mean Boston? Yeah well yeah um Huh. I mean, I'm. Uh, you know, I'll always be grateful for 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 Boston and Boston area theater because I, I definitely got my professional start there. Uh-huh. Um, and um and and culturally, it is it is an easier place, I guess, for an artist to to kind of like um. Wet, you know, for you to wet your foot, but like um. I, sophomore year, I did my first professional gig. Um, uh, the, the guy who directed Guys and Dolls was a guest director, and he had a theater, a professional theater, and he hired me to be like in the ensemble of Prelude to a Kiss um, at his theater company. And then Speakeasy Stage Company, which is still there. Um, I worked with them. Uh-huh. Um, and so I ended up working a lot uh-huh. and, and, and worked at a lot of professional theaters in Boston um, before I left. And then um, the, most, the most thrilling thing was I like worked my way up and then um, I graduated from Brandeis like that Sunday and the Monday, I was in rehearsal for a, a new musical at ART. I was in the ensemble of this new musical at ART. Um, uh, a rock musical based on Ubu Ra called Ubu Rock. <laughs> and it was Rusty McGee who did the music. And, um, and it was just, it was, it was an, a, a, an amazing thing to be able to be. Actually, that's something. Um, Rusty McGee, he passed away. Um, a few years ago, but they just did like a big concert of his at 54 Below, uh-huh. and he did something that I have never, to this day, I've never seen any other composer, music director do. So we were working on a sequence, and the director, Andre Belgrader, um, and Andre comes back again, because that's how I ended up at UCSD, was because of this director. Um, um, but Andre, we were working on a sequence <laughs> in the show, and he went, Rusty, this needs to be a song. 
And um, Rusty went, oh, oh, okay. And so we were pittering around, and then, like, literally 15 minutes later, Rusty said, come to the piano. And he literally composed, um, arranged, and taught this huh. new song um, to everyone, like, right on the spot. So he would go, da 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 all right, you take this part, you take this part, you do, da, 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 da. you do this, you do this, you do this. And he literally wrote, composed, arranged the whole thing within, like, an hour. And, and an hour later, there was this musical sequence that wasn't there before. I've never seen it That's happen so cool. since. Wow. But he was, he was kind of a genius, and he was a delicious human. Uh-huh. He, he also, when I, when I moved to New York, was kind enough to um, prep me for my agent audition. Uh-huh. And he went and he played my agent audition for me. Hey. That got me my first agent in the city. He was a lovely, lovely guy. And um, yeah, I've never, I've never seen anybody do that since. Was that, was that like part of why like new work is so exciting for you? I mean, yeah, it's all, you know, it's, it is thrilling to see, to create something and to be able to kind of like, be in the room where, well, that wasn't there before, yeah. but now it is. Now this thing that, that didn't exist is, is, a, is a dance sequence or it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a song sequence. It's exciting to be able to, to breathe life into something and kind of like go, oh, wow, you know, w- we made this. We made this thing and I got to see this thing being made and I got to help bring this thing to life. Um, so that was that was exciting, and then so Andre he was teaching at UCSD at the time, and um, he had brought all of these recent graduates from UCSD to ART, and they were all working there, and they were awesome. They were just awesome. Um, Franny Torres and Adrian Kristansky and Scott Ripley, they were just awesome, <laughs> and um, I would just be like. They're the greatest. And um, they knew that I wanted to audition for graduate school. And so I said, hey, tell me about UCSD. And they're like, well, if you want to audition, we'll talk to people. And so I said, yeah, I do. And I, I, I applied. And um, there was a beautiful spirit, a, a, just a glorious man named Tommy Dera, who was a um, company member at ART. And, um, and he took the time and he prepped me for all of my auditions. And he was like, no, try it this way. Dude. Mm-hmm. He coached me on all of my auditions. And, and I came to New York and I, and, I, and I stepped in the room to do the audition. And um, the head of the program, Walt Jones, I walked in and he goes, why is everybody calling me about you? <laughs> and I was like, really? Yeah, it was it was great. And um and I got a call back and I went in that afternoon and I did my things again and he he um offered me a spot right there. So I knew mm-hmm. that I was gonna go to grad school like right after the callback. And what was interesting, what was really interesting all of the men who were in the waiting room, all five of us ended up being the, the men in that class that year. Oh. And we all went in back to back to back. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
you primed them. <laughs> they were in such no, I wasn't the first. I wasn't <laughs> the first. I believe it was like Sam Wright who was the first. And I remember this guy, Chris Butler, was, um, was there, Dave Kapczynski and me. And um, yeah, all of us ended up in the car. Do you feel like your like relationship to auditioning or like how you think about it has changed over your time in the business? Um, yeah, I, I, I still am not a great auditioner. I, I don't like, I, I kind of hate it. It's terrible. It's it terrible. Like. It really, it's, it's not, there are people who, who really are kick-ass at it. And, um, and, um, I, am I'm not great at it. it, especially if it feels like it's a high pressure thing. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not great at it. I feel you. Um, the ones that I have always been, um, I- if the atmosphere is a little bit calmer, um, those are the ones that I usually kind of kind of book. Yeah. Where like mm-hmm. I feel like I can like take a little time and like do what I do. Yeah. Um, then those tend to to work out much better. Um, but in general, like. Auditioning is a is a is still to this day a tricky beast. But yeah, it's still a tricky beast for me. <laughs> Do you well? Cause so so um, the day that we're recording this, yesterday it was announced that you're going to be in the yeah. cast of A Strange Loop at Playwrights Horizons, which is so exciting. Oh my god, I cannot wait. Did you ever audition for that project? Um. So how did that come to be? So it's. I ended up, um, when I first moved to the city, it was still kind of the time when, like, you would write letters to people. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd seen um, some stuff up at Classical Theater of Harlem. And I was like, this place is amazing. They're doing, like, really cool work. And, um, and so I wrote a letter to them. And um, I got an audition. I got a meeting. And I got to meet who was then the... Um, artistic director and the art producing team there and I ended up doing um, the blacks up there um, was that the one that he saw so I ended up doing the blacks but then I became a company member up at classical theater of uh-huh. Harlem and I, I ended up replacing this actor Ron Simons in a show called ain't supposed to die a natural death up there and um, at the time, Michael and Rachel were at NYU. Uh-huh. Rachel had gone to Brandeis right. like the year after I left. Uh-huh. Um, and so they came to see the show. And then after, Rachel came up to me with Michael and went, I keep hearing about you. I kept hearing about you at Brandeis. I'm like, who are you? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, um, and so... That's when I met the both of them, and um, they were doing their thesis project at NYU, this project called Only, Only Children. Children. We've definitely talked about that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It so <laughs> um, it's a great, yeah, it's, um, it's kind of their retelling of Spring Awakening set yeah. in the Mall of America. Right. It's, re- it, it's, it's really a fantastic show. To this day, there's, they're, they're, song moments from that that get stuck Same. in my head. Which one's for you? Um, w- so 
there's a song that he cut called Why Why Am I Unsexy Ooh. that I sing all the time. <sighs> Why am I unsexy? All I ever do is try. But nobody seems to notice. They just blithely pass me by. I, I sing that all that the time. Um, there's another one called um, That Keeps Me From Falling Asleep that I sing a lot. <laughs> um, but there's songs from that that are still to this day. I always get that. I remember you, Carissa. Oh, <laughs> yes. So yeah. There was like really, really beautiful stuff in that show. Um, and it was really. It was, it was good. It was good. So anyway, that's yeah. how I met Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I, I kind of was doing, um, well, it's, it, it wasn't Strange Loop then, but I, he asked me to sing periodically at uh-huh. Ars Nova. He was doing a mm-hmm. concert there. And this was before... Strange Loop was even a thought. Right. And so I thought, ha! Uh. <laughs> I play a thought. Oh, we all play thoughts in the thing. But, um, but he asked me to sing periodically um, at this gig that he was doing at Ars Nova. And, and what he did was he had all of these voicemails from his mother and he used them as interstitials between songs. Oh. And so he had me on the, you know how Ars Nova has that like, that side thing? Yeah. I kind of like stayed to the side and mm-hmm. for the majority of the show, I sat there and like in between every few songs, I would read <laughs> one of his mom's voicemails. Oh my God. And then, you know, um, like, I remember Matt Castle sang in that concert, just blew the roof off the place. There were like really amazing people. Molly Hager was singing mm-hmm. in that concert. It, just really uh, uh, amazing people. And it was a, a, a thrilling, thrilling concert. And at the time, Emma Griffith, mm-hmm. Griffin um, was directing the thing. And then we did it at Joe's Pub. And then she ended up leaving town, and this woman, Maria Goyanes, um, I guess had a conversation with him and said, hey, I think there's a, there's a show here. And um, so he wrote a script, and he asked me, he was like, since you've read some of these voicemails, would you come and, and do the script reading? And so that's how I kind of, I didn't, I, I, I kind of slipped in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, like, I mean, that's how I've gotten all of my work, at least all of the work that I've been excited about. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. Yeah. Like, it's all relationship, right? Yeah. Like, everything that um, has been has been good or thrilling or the most exciting has all come from relationships. So, like, that Manhattan Theater Source place, um, I learned a lesson about not being a dick <laughs> um, from... from from working there, um, the I did the Beetlejuice Lab last year, mm. and how that came about was, you know, there were all of these bands of theater companies at Manhattan Theater Source, and there was a company called Gideon. I never worked with them. I never worked with them, but we were all wa- we were all like, you know, kids in the sandbox in this place, and. Um, they were creating all of this new work, and I was working with um, Andrew Frank and Doug Silver on all of their new musicals there. And so she had seen me, and like I had spoken, and I guess the two guys who wrote Beetlejuice Juice were like looking for someone to play Otho. 
and like I have not I have not seen her in years. Yeah. Mm. Like I maybe auditioned for her five, six years ago and I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um she was the one who like put my name into the hat and that's how I got the call from like Chelsea yeah. to go in an audition and, and then that was like a great experience. But like yeah, it that was a you know that came from a relationship as as well you know um, Fall Springs that came from um, working with Bracket right. so it's like all of the things that mm-hmm. have been exciting and thrilling all come from um, relationships really. Yeah, I feel the same way and like I feel similarly to you about auditioning that like I don't feel like I'm great at it. Yeah, but I like. And, and maybe that's why I've ended up in a place where like most of these gigs that I'm excited about are coming from these referrals or these like, you know, people seeing me doing work that I'm proud of yeah, and then like bringing me along to the next thing, you know, it's, it's interesting. It, it it's, it's, I guess the only, you know, well, that'll lead me to something else that ended up happening yesterday. Um, I, I was speaking with a, a friend of mine yesterday who is a older leading man um, on, you know, has had an incredible Broadway career, but he's a gay man. And, um, and he was kind of talking about how, you know, when he was starting as this, he, he, he cuts a dashing figure, you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. very tall and handsome. And, and so uh, quite swashbuckling, you know. <laughs> and so he was always kind of told, just don't open your mouth, don't let your pearls fall out of your mouth. And like, that was <laughs> oh. like, you know, kind of, it was common to hear that kind of thing in audition rooms or yeah. like for directors to say that mm. kind of thing to you all the time, you know, like butch it up, don't, you know, don't swish around too much or, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And um, and and what I was thinking about with him yesterday was, I just for so long in my career, I just don't feel like I clicked any, ticked any of the boxes, right? Mm. Like I'm a I'm a large black man, and so immediately when I walk into the room, they want me to be a bass. Yeah. Um, immediately when they want when I walk into the room, they want me to be tough or hard. Um, and then, you know, if my waist swishes a little, they're like, what is that? <laughs> right. So I feel like I just didn't tick a lot of those boxes for so, so very long. Um, and, and then, you know, I have this lilt, this lilt to, to, to my, to my voice. And even when I was called in to play Jamaican people before, it was always, they didn't want an authentic Jamaican. They wanted, <laughs> you know, oh. TV sitcom Jamaican. Uh-huh. And, I, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, so in terms of auditioning, I, I did get called in once. Well, that's a bigger story, too. <laughs> oh, yes. my God. Is it all right that I'm jumping all over the oh, place? Oh, yes. Yeah, you're right. So Marley came into my life. I'll get back to the whole thing because there's a point about <laughs> the ticking the boxes. Um, but, you know, I'd spent all of this time doing, 
doing work and 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 trying to to make the career as an actor in the city and and I was working for a corporate company and I really enjoyed the work that I was doing. Um, they, they trained um, people using the techniques of the performing arts and it just kind of like hit all these boxes and I was growing there. And, and, um, but I was like, I, don't, I, I think my time has passed. It's, it's, it's fine. I don't know that there's a place for me. That's okay. Um, I will always get asked to like sing at a concert or something like that. And so I was like ready to like give up my career. I was I I I had made my peace with it. I'd spoken to all of these friends about it. And I was like, I think I think I'm done. And um they were like, Well, okay, that's you know, you can be done. And so I was like, All right, I'm done. I'm done. And um I literally like made that statement to a friend of mine. And like two days later, I get a call from McCorkle um, casting, and they, they say, do you know how to do a Jamaican accent? <laughs> and I was like, I do know how to do a, do a Jamaican accent. And they're like, well, we're doing this reading for this thing, um, and we need people who speak with authentic Jamaican accents. So would you mind coming in and reading for us? And I, and I, <laughs> and I went into this audition, and... Um, I was the only person in the waiting room. It was me and two white ladies in the audition room. Um, the monitor was an intern from Norway trying to speak Patois, hmm. oh. trying to speak with a Jamaican accent. So the whole session was me going, no, it's this. And she would go, oh, OK. And then I would say my line. Mm. Um, I was like coaching her on the thing. Oh my God. And, I, and, I, and I ended up booking this gig. And it, it turned out to be, at the time, the biggest show I'd ever done. Um, it was a, a, a Bob Marley musical that they were taking out of town to center stage in the hopes to bring it to Broadway. It was this incredible, incredible experience. But what was, was thrilling about it was for the first time, in my career was actually able to play a Jamaican person mm. yeah. on stage and not have it be a joke or not have it be something to laugh at. And like it was delving into really kind of juicy, wonderful stuff about, about my culture and about a, a, a period of time in Jamaica that I actually lived through. So it was like, okay, so... God or whoever has a different plan for me. Like, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm so done with this. And, like, the biggest show I ever got, like, kind of lands in my lap. And so I did, did, the, did the thing. Um, you know, and, and I thought, like, at every moment, I, I was trying to make complications with it. Like, I went to my, the people I worked with, and I was like, I, you know, this thing happened. I don't know if I'm going to take it. But this thing happened. And literally, at the end of the day, they came back and they're like, well, why don't you just work remotely for the three months that you're going to be down oh my there? God. You, were doing, you were doing like everything you could to not take the job, yeah, and it just really, kept coming yeah. back around. Huh. Like the whole time I was like trying to put complication on the complication, yeah. and mm -hmm. like the universe kept going, no, take this <laughs> job. Yeah. And so um, I ended up doing it, and it was great. And then when I came back and I was doing this job, I was like, oh, I can't do this job anymore. I can't do this job anymore. 
my heart isn't in it. They're lovely, they're wonderful, they're still great to me. Um, to this day, I go in and I do website work for them and, and stuff like that. But it was clear that, oh no, you need to do this and you want to do this. And you know, you're know you of a certain age, so now is the time to try and just go for it. Wait, I'm curious though, because like, I'm curious how you got to that point where you were like so ready to, to give it up because like the last thing you said was like get coming out of college you were like working all the time and like yeah I mean so well I so in Boston I was working all the time uh-huh. um you know it's it's easy to be a big fish in a little pond mm. right not that Boston is such a little pond but uh, it's it's but for all intents and purposes it's it's a little pond you know I mean there's like there's there's space for, uh, and at the time, I was one of maybe, there weren't that many black actors running around Boston <laughs> at the time. So, like, I ended up working, right? I mean, I'm sure it's different now, you know? Um, but at the time, I, I was able to take advantage of that and be in, in spaces and places that that allowed me to get my equity car, you know, equity points and all of this stuff. And then when I went to UCSD, um, I showcased terribly. I had a terrible showcase. Um, and at the time, oh my God, it was so humiliating. So how it used to be was like you would bring these stacks of headshots <laughs> and then you would put them on the table. And um, all of the agents who wanted your headshot, wanted oh to my God. would take your headshot. Oh. And like, I would come back and like I would still have a stack and oh. all the other people all their headshots would be gone. That's like, oh torture. Um, I do have a funny story about when I showcased in LA. This one guy, um, had I decided to do the LA route, um, he was this real ring-a-ding, old-fashioned like Hollywood agent named mm. Eddie Foy the <laughs> Third, and he had a cigar out of the side of his mouth and wore espadrilles and. I'll never forget going into his office. He's like, take a walk around the block, kid. Come back in 20 minutes. So I was like, he had oh like an office in <laughs> Studio City. I was like, who are you? Um, but, I, you know, L.A. wasn't going to be my thing. So I, I moved here, um, didn't showcase well, and a friend from college was working at an agency at the time. And so she said, well, let me, let me get you an audition with the head agency, with the head agent, and... And so I worked worked on that audition, and Rusty McGee, he <laughs> worked on it with me and, and came. And that's how I ended up getting um, representation. And um, I um, got a show at Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park, which got me my equity card from um, Kenny. Um, oh my God, why am I blanking on his last name? Kenny Robeson. Kenneth Roberson, who is this director choreographer, um, and um, came back to the city. And Kenny called me in for this brand spanking new musical that they were doing. And I went in for this dance call, and I was like, "Ha ha! <laughs> 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 I am not a dancer, and I am embarrassed, and this is terrible." And um, so much so that like Kenny came to me, the man who gave me my equity card. Mm -hmm. He he stopped the audition, came to me, and he went. 
honey, this isn't for you. It's okay. Oh and, I, and I left and I was like, oh, God. Oh. So, I mean, to say, to say that my road has been bumpy um, in New York is, um, is not an understatement. Um, I've had some, some big hits and uh, some big misses, I should mm-hmm. say, in terms of auditioning and, and, and doing all of this stuff. But, you know, I, I ended up... Um, doing this thing at musical uh, Manhattan Theater Source. And then from there, I ended up um, meeting this man named George Ferentz, um, who was a director at La Mama, and he loved me. And um, we're still great friends to this day, but I ended up working at La Mama with him for like 15 years. And, and that oh was God. also like where this new work thing came yeah. to be, because um, the the main thing that I did with him there was um, work on new work and present readings of, of new plays, new musicals for probably 50, 60 um, new plays, new musicals in that time. Oh, my God. Um, and so to me, new work is, is, is where it's at. That's the thing that's going to... Um, keep this thing alive and and it's always thrilling to be able to yeah kind of put your stink on something and mm-hmm. go, oh, yeah right. and also like i don't know i feel i i agree and i think because like people writing today are more likely to write something that like speaks to who i am yeah you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right so you remember i was talking about ticking the boxes mm-hmm. um so th- this is why um this strange loop thing feels like such a gift and such a blessing, right? Um, because it, it just feels like everything that I am is, is what is being asked of me in this show. That's so amazing. Right? Like every, you know, I'm a large black man who sings high, sings low, um, I can be funny, I can be, um, you know, forceful. I have multitudes in me, and this show is asking me to bring all of, m- all of what I do, all of who I am yeah. to the show, all of my experience to the show. And, um, and I remember like reading one of the first drafts of, of this show when it was like just an inkling of an idea, and um, just kind of relating so much to so much of the experience and so much of the feelings of Usher and like, wow, that is my story too. That Mm -hmm. is my experience too. That is my, um, and just to be able to I don't know, have, have something that speaks to my experience. You know, I was speaking to to Michael um, the other day, um, last week, there was some sad news and I, and I checked in with him. And um, we were talking and, and um, we had had a dance workshop for the show and I was, and I was like, I'm, I'm gonna go to the gym and, and I have been going to the gym and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I'm doing this, that and the other. And, and he said, you know, I, we want you to be you. Like, I don't want a whole bunch of six packs in the show. And it was just such a lovely kind of reminder, um, w- which also Bracket has reminded 
throughout this whole process that it's it what we want is what you authentically bring mm -hmm. what we want is what you already are um and that that is just thrilling so all of the 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 well wishes and everything yesterday was it it was also like a little bit emotional to kind of like hear that and and get excited about it and you know i mean that's it's been it's been 10 years or something like that um that you know since that ars nova concert so yeah it's wild it's it's wild <laughs> it's wild um so yeah you know um it, it feels sometimes like you just kind of have to wait time out until um they're ready for you mm. you know and it feels like right now black and queer theaters are going oh yes Black and queer, <laughs> we'll produce that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that, in a way, we just kind of had to wait that out, right? Like, for so long, it was like, black, that means you have to be tough, or you have mm. to be this, or you have to, you know. But it, it feels like we're getting to tell more interesting and more nuanced stories now yeah. um, about the black experience about the black queer experience and so i'm here for it <laughs> me too yeah me too <laughs> um can i take us sort of on a left turn please please so i just i had to ask you because the project so the project we've worked on together yeah, is yeah, fall yeah. springs um and like i <laughs> i don't even know how to it's just not a question because i just want to say like how fucking funny you are <laughs> um but it is a question because like i'm just curious like Obviously, it's a really funny show. The script yeah, is yeah, really yeah, good, yeah. but like, I always I watch you like mine comedy out of things that like I never <laughs> could have thought would be funny. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm thinking of one thing. I sh I'll just say it. Like, there's a line. It's like so you play like, um, it's this town and there's there's a council of like of um, townspeople yeah, who are like people, who are yeah. arranging like this semi centennial celebration for this small town. And so it's a meeting checking in about about getting ready for this presentation. And your line is like, the erection of the semi-centennial stage is, you know, like going great or whatever. But like you do this thing where you like pause, you're like, the erection of the semi-centennial <laughs> stage. And it's like, because like the joke of your character is that like at the end, he like is madly in love with this woman. <laughs> yes, but the yes. whole time, like you're wondering, Every, like, is he gay? Yeah, like, is he not? Yeah, everybody thinks he's gay. And so you're like, like, how did you like figure out to like do that? Like, <laughs> like, how do you do that? Um, oh gosh. So I will say this. Um, I know how to act. Of course. No, no, no. But like that, you know, because there are things that I'm not confident on, and that, and, and so, so I'm saying that to say, like, I I don't read music, um, and so my career has been like in musicals, but like I've always felt like deficient when it comes to that like mm. i'm like yeah all right there's some dots on this page i'm actually i'm always curious about that did you ever i mean your ear must be amazing because obviously you're working and like picking stuff up and there's never a problem did you ever think like oh, i'll just like learn this to like have you know like i mean that language? you know what like i think it's just i've never made the space for it or like it's been like I've just been in in a project, so it's like well, I, I'm 
I'm not gonna learn learn theory now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. It's just and all of my training, even though I did musicals at Brandeis, it wasn't a musical theater training program. It right. was always an actor training program. And when I went to UCSD, um, even though I did a musical there, you know, La Jolla Playhouse was there and and, and we did a musical my second year, um, it wasn't a musical musical theater training program. Mm-hmm. It was always an acting um, training program. And, um, and what I will say about UCSD was I learned how to be a very good actor there. Um, there, there is a lot of um, doing the classics and spending like a whole year just delving into into Shakespeare and the Greeks and stuff like that, um, and also doing all of these new play developments there with like all of the directors and the whatever um, taught me how to to really look at a script. Yeah, yeah. And um, and there was a teacher there. And, and, and I credit him greatly because it was the first time that I, I had an acting class that was taught by an actor. Mm. Up until that point in time, most of the acting classes, all, all of the acting classes that I'd had had been taught by directors. Mm. And what, what was an amazing kind of shift when we started working with this, with this teacher named Jim Winker was was I realized that I had learned how to take direction, mm. right? Like I'd learned how to interpret and take direction in those acting classes, and that's a great skill to learn. But when we walked into his class, the first thing he said was, or one of the first things he said was, I'm going to teach you how to be a director-proof actor. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that you don't work with a director, it means that you're gonna be the best ally to a director ever. Because you're gonna be able to come in and make choices that, and you're gonna know how to flesh them out and you're gonna be able to make that director's job easier. Mm -hmm. And he talked about the fact that uh, directors are always looking at moving parts Mm -hmm. and being a director-proof actor is gonna make you an asset because you're the tree in the forest that he doesn't have to worry about too mm-hmm. much, right? Like while they're moving parts and he's like, how am I gonna stage this thing with this, this drop or this thing is flying in and I need to stage these people, you're gonna be the actor on the stage who's gonna be able to go, oh, I'm just gonna go there, I'm gonna make a strong choice and go there and he's gonna go, that works, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. he, so um, he really, was the was the teacher that kind of um, taught me how to to own my choices, mm-hmm. and t- and he kind of empowered me. And I w- I would say also all of my classmates and all of the people that he taught because uh, you know the the actors who he taught who are all working now all do that. They're all very uh, uh, kind of assured actors and so even in the realm of musical theater when I felt like I don't really I don't really know about this musical line or I need to hear it five times before I can do it the thing that I know that I can do is I can act it Mm -hmm. and I can make something of it Um, 
And so that's where it is. It's like when I look at a script, I, 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 I do. The words are magic. The words are juicy. And, um, and as I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a thing. That's, that's a I mean, that's like watching you do it, though, like it, like when you say magic, like I think like you're the magic, but you're saying like you credit it to this training. Yeah, I mean, very much so. Like, you know, it, when, when I, when we were being taught by this, by Jim, you know, and we're doing Shakespeare, he would, one of the things he would say is, what do you want to do with it? Mm. Right, and and that was a very different thing than being in an acting class where they go, well, it's this, and so I want right. you to to make that happen. And how can you make that happen in the most believable way? Mm-hmm. He said, "What do you want to do with it? How? What do you want to do?" And so you would go, "Well, I think it's this, and I think it's that." And he goes, "All right, well then, let's figure out how you get there." And so he kind of like held our hand in the choices that we wanted to make as actors with text. And that was very empowering. Like, it felt like, and, and it, was one of those, it was one of those things when we got to UCSD, like all of the other students would go, wait till you get to Jim's class. Because uh-huh. he was the second year. And like every, every single actor in the program was like, wait till you get to Jim's <laughs> class. Wow. And, um, and, and it, was, it was revelatory. Um, to be able to um, to have that, and and then I will also say George Ferrance at La Mama, um, he would um, I, I kind of got into the habit of just saying yes to him, mm. and so he would call and he'd go, "How are you with heights?" And I'm like, "I don't know what <laughs> this is going to be." Um, and I, but he's like, I, I guess I'm okay with heights, George. He's like, great, I got a show for you. And then, like, <laughs> I would do this show with him where I'm on, like, a platform 20 feet in the air, right? <sighs> or, but he would always just kind of, like, throw me these scripts. And he, he would call and go, can you play an Afghan um, police officer? I'm like, do you think I can? He's <laughs> like, yeah, you can play anything. I'm like, okay. And so I'd go in and I'd do these things for him. And, like, so he always was like stretching me during those those 15 years. Yeah. I mean, I played Medea um, for him. I I mean, like, I've, I, you name it, I've done comedy to, like, Greek tragedy with this man, and he's just always like, yeah, do it. You can do it. You uh-huh. can do it. So to, to, to have that kind of um, person in your life who, who believes in you yeah. that strongly, yeah. and, and, and he would always go, I don't care about your technique you whatever your technique is, is is your technique but i trust that you can do it do it um was fantastic yeah it was always fantastic and so i always said yes to him and i think that's where my acting training and da 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 so I, in terms of the whole performance thing i call myself an actor first um then a singer then a mover i don't mm. dare call myself a dancer although mm. They're going to make me dance in this show. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, cool. I mean. I'm realizing we never, I feel like we haven't really talked about like, like actor training on the show before. And I think it's so interesting. Like, do you feel like your like theater education was likewise like formative in like how you think about it? 
in in terms of how I think about approaching yeah. working on shows. Y- yeah, I do. I mean, like, I still sort like <laughs> when we were out in San Diego <laughs> last year, I still did like the thing that like my acting teacher taught me to do in scene study of like going through the script and like sort of like picking out all of the parts that like you know speak to like who this character is so that I can see them all in one place and sort of like get a handle on what's going on and you know I've I've like added things along the way and I've also like jettisoned things along the way that like haven't worked for me but like I do sort of feel like it formed a foundation I don't know like what's interesting is that like I don't feel like anything really clicked while I was in school or Mm. even right after I was in school. And it sort of took a while for it to actually click and like for me to actually use those tools effectively. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. That's true. Like you, you kind of learn it, but then it takes a while to master it. Yeah. Um, Which is why I'm so grateful for George because like, I, I think he recognized, Oh, you, you have some tools in your belt. Yeah. Let's put them. Let's put them. Yeah, let's and there is use. something to be said. What you were saying about like having that person who just like trusts you, yeah, and and just like gives you that space, that safe space. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Because like, I didn't have that, and, and I found my safe space here too. And like, I think it was as those opportunities were coming my way that I started to just get more comfortable. Yeah. Um, and like to actually be able to use what I have. Yeah, it's interesting too. Also, like with actor training, like. It's amazing, like where the nuggets come from, because like yeah. one one of the thing, one of the things that I, that I use to this day is I got from a movement class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't from an acting class at all, and mm. it was just you know, about about qualities of mm. movement and being and being in a physical space and disturbing the air, you know how 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 you are in your body and what that can do for a character and um yeah work outside in as well as inside out but yeah, yeah i mean it's it's weird like but i learned that in undergrad and to this day i still kind of like use it yeah <laughs> yeah is there like an al- analogous question for you like i mean it's sort of a different totally different beast writing yeah. music I mean, I guess it's not that I think music is different, a, a different beast, but it's a little different than an undergrad. I was studying sort of more like composition. Right. So grad school in like musical theater felt like a really different set of things to really be thinking about. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I definitely hold on to nuggets from both yeah. of those yeah, yeah, yeah. programs. Yeah. I have a question. I'm wondering, like, because, you know, this is my insecurity coming up here. Huh. Like, how do you feel about working with actors who don't read music? <laughs> to me, it depends a lot. It's not even reading music or not. It's sort of like, for me, the only thing is sort of like how we communicate. Like, some actors, I honestly, I couldn't tell you if they read music or not, because when they come in, we can, like, talk about, you know, like, if something is being wonky, like, there's a yeah, way to yeah. say, like, oh, you know, like, this is feeling weird. And as long as we can, like, communicate with each other, it's like, yeah, I couldn't care less if they read music. Like, the music reading thing feels like a safety thing. Because if I know, you know, I can say, like, oh, that's a fourth. And they're like, oh, I was singing a third and it's a fourth. Right, it's right, like right, right. I right. know that, you know, what we're saying is being understood by each other. So it's a short, that is yeah. the shorthand. But, okay, all right. But I don't think it matters at all. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't affect the final product. Fine. I can do musicals then. <laughs> oh my God, obviously. I mean, that's, that's why I think it's interesting because so many people who are so successful and perform things, you know, 
perfect, perfect, perfectly. Don't read music. And it's just like, since I'm not as much of an ear person, it is. It's like yeah. Sam was saying. It's sort of a magic of like, how do you do that without <laughs> being able to read it? You know what I mean? You but know, like, I, mean, I don't care how people do it. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like, you know, like phantom limbs. You yeah. know what I mean? Like when like you lose one sense, like, you know, there's a desire and a want and a need to be able to do this or to be able to do this thing. So like that air better be good. Mm. You know what I mean? Or like you, you're going to just drill it a hundred times yeah. or whatever to be able to, 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 to accomplish the task, you know? And then I think it, it is interesting too. Like, I feel like once I'm in the world of the music, Mm -hmm. Then if they change it, it's easier for me to kind of like go, yeah. oh, okay. all right. And I I've heard that too for my stuff. People who do my stuff the first time are like, this isn't intuitive. It takes them a really long time to learn it. And then people who are doing my stuff for the fifth time are like, oh, yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah, this yeah. is this kind of thing. I know yeah. I know your tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then yeah, the yeah. process is a lot yeah. smoother. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, no, I truly don't. It's so superfluous to the end product sort of how you get there yeah i just always think it's interesting people who get there different ways yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean um, i guess i'm curious because like i will say that like being able to read music has been a big help for me yeah. in new work especially yeah. just because it's usually such a fast process yeah. so like how like does and like when we've worked together i've never noticed that you were playing catch-up or anything like yeah so how do you like I don't know what the question is. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know what it is? It's, I, I try to, I, I guess, in a way, recognize patterns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, if I hear a musical thing and it goes, whatever the pattern is, then I go, oh, it's that. And then that repeats. And oh, and then this third time, it, it changes that way. And then we go into a new pattern. Like mm -hmm. that's kind of really how yeah. I, I, because I'm a visual so learner. Uh -huh. yeah. That's kind of like how I do it. it now it can, uh, it will screw me up uh, a lot of times where like I will, I will hear the pattern maybe a little bit wrong, especially like on a low note or something. So I'll go da 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 da, -da and bring it down mm -hmm. a fourth or up yeah, and then they go no it's that and then like in my head like breaking that pattern mm -hmm. is right. hard well it sort of reminds me of the thing about how like like I forget what the classic example is but like in the English language it's like we don't have that many different words for colors so like it's hard for us to remember like Pantone 420 versus Pantone 426 because to us like they're both light blue or whatever, mm, you know? Right, so it's right. hard to sort of precisely revisit a thing that we don't have a word for in our head. Right. And mm, I can right. imagine that, like, right. going to music, if you don't know, like, you know, this is this interval, this is this note name, you know, that it would be a different process that it sort of gets written in your memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, fine. <laughs> I'll go learn how to read music. Oh, my God. No, that's so <laughs> We converted another. <laughs> That's all, Rob.